in this week's episode of Let's Talk About It. We'll review the HBO Max documentary BS High and what made a seemingly normal high school football team anything but that. And in our relationship segment, we're going to talk about when helping hurts and when it's time to have that conversation with the person who thinks they're helping, but they're really not. You're here. You've joined us. Let's talk about it. Hello there, family and friends. Yo. It's that time again. Let's talk about it. We're back. (laughs) Episode three, season four. I'm Malcolm Morgan. And I'm Micah Morgan. And we're so happy that you've joined us. You could be listening to any podcast in the world right now. You could. But you're here with us and we appreciate that. So grateful. How are you doing today, my love? Oh, you know, leaning a little bit. But it's all right. Are you leaning on the Lord's side? Preferably. Preferably. <laughs> okay. All right. How, how are you? Hey, I'm energized, feeling good, excited about this episode. Yeah. You know. I love to see it. It's got a got a new documentary to talk about. It's oh, always it's fun a good times. One. Um, so BS High, HBO Max documentary series about the famed Bishop Bishop Sycamore football team. Yeah. Can we talk about first before we jump in how you uh, brought up the documentary? Uh-huh. <laughs> remember, like you were just like, "Hey, you remember that football team that we heard about?" And I forget what you said to like get me to remember what it was, but something about the coach. And I was like, "Oh, that football team of like adults that was mm-hmm. playing high school students." <laughs> That's the only thing I remembered. And then there was so so much more to the story. So much more to the story. So a quick review, uh, those of you who remember on a fateful day in 2001, 2021, excuse me. Not that far back. IMG Academy, one of the premier, not just football teams, but sports programs in the country. But uh, in this instance, we're talking about football. They went up against a alleged powerhouse from Ohio called Bishop Sycamore on ESPN. Um, you know, big game. IMG, I believe, was if they weren't number one, they were near number one in the country for high school football teams. Mm -hmm. And they were playing against this little known school called Bishop Sycamore, coached by Roy Johnson. And Bishop Sycamore allegedly had a bunch of kids that were highly recruited and were going to be going to Division One colleges, according to what we were told. Mm. And the game ended in a very close. It was a close game, 58 to nothing. Um, just a 58-point margin. Yeah, you know. No matter what sport you're playing, that's bad. Basketball, yeah. football, doesn't matter. Mm-mm. 58 points is bad. Um, and so people started to dig in a little bit more about this school, and then we learned that it was actually probably not a school. <laughs> well, just to fill in some more details, because I think it wasn't just the score that raised some eyebrows. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were helmets flying. Yes. There were, were there three serious injuries? There were some serious injuries, yes. we don't, It's uh-huh. unclear how many, but yeah. there were quite a few. There were quite a few. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just the sheer sportsmanship uh, difference between the two teams. Some individuals on the field were getting tossed and driven about. 
and others were not. Mm-hmm. And so I think the combination of those three things. Oh, and then just the, the sheer callousness of the coach when those injuries happened. Yes. Probably also raised some eyebrows as yes. well. So people start digging into the, the school that they'd never heard of. I'm We live in Columbus, Ohio, mm-hmm. and had I had never heard of this school, but I also didn't know the game was on until I got on Twitter or social media, and people were starting to mm-hmm. unravel some things. People yeah. were like, I'm from Columbus, and I've never heard of Bishop Sycamore. And I assumed it was from somewhere else in Ohio mm-hmm. when I saw the – the you know when on high school on high school games on ESPN they give you the school name and then usually like the the state so you don't even get to see really the city right. unless you watch the game um, and so then people start to kind of unravel okay first of all who is Bishop Sycamore mm. is this a real person second of all, <laughs> <laughs> second of all no one could find the school anywhere yeah. and it started a, a long train of things of. Um, investigations by High School Athletic Association in Ohio, by the education uh, system in Ohio, by the governor. Mm. Um, and long story short, it was not a school. Um, it was a rogue football program that was just scheduled. Some, somehow, some way was able to schedule with some of the best teams of the country and end up being on ESPN. Yeah. Yeah. So to call it a football program is still generous because we also learned in this documentary that Mr. Johnson did not have any certifications that would equip him to coach children or just coach at all. Um, And on top of not existing as an arm of a a school, like just was completely illegitimate Mm -hmm. all the way around. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think for me, what I appreciated, if we could like, talk about the documentary itself yeah um a lot of times when these documentaries happen there's a segment where they try to kind of humanize the protagonist the main character Mm -hmm. and i really appreciated that this documentary did not do that um because you start off with roy johnson sitting down in front of the camera one of the first questions you ask him you hear him asking someone to the side, you know, off to the side is, mm-hmm. do I look like a con man? And then just hilariously laughing at his own joke. There's no other laughter involved. Like, that's your introduction to him. Yeah. And the documentary writers, directors do nothing else to humanize him. And I was like, okay, the whole way through, it's just Roy Johnson telling on himself. It's the Roy Johnson show. My goodness. Life is the Roy Johnson show. And, I think he didn't do anything to humanize himself. No, I don't um, think he, he knew called how. himself a liar. He said there's nothing he would lie about. Well, he said that he would lie about anything that he couldn't prove. Even though we watched but him we do it. Then out of the side of his mouth, just say he lies. Mm-hmm. Um, so he didn't really help himself. But I also think he was delusional in thinking that this documentary could come out any other way. Yeah. Um, I was listening to the uh, official podcast about this, about this documentary. One of the guys that was making the documentary was saying all the kids they interviewed were kids that Roy sent to him, like that he pointed him to. Oh, wow. Um, And so they had tried to get in touch with quite a few kids and some of them didn't respond. And so he said, the people that we interviewed were people that Roy, whose names he gave us to, to talk to. So these are the people that, he thought would give him would put him in the best light. Yeah. And if you watch a documentary, 
they did not put him in the best. No. <laughs> no, and that's, wow, I didn't know that piece. Yeah. And so to see the director, and, and to, like, go back and cover up a little bit, because mm-hmm. I don't want people thinking I don't want people to look human. Like, that's mm-hmm. not what I'm saying. But often where there's a clear villain. Yeah documentaries do a lot of work they want to they want to show you the why like yeah, what made this person this way uh-huh. but th- like you could tell that the documentary you know all the folks involved in writing this just wanted the story to speak for itself yeah. there wasn't any cushioning there wasn't any sugar coating mm-hmm. and so to hear you say that roy basically said oh yeah yeah here's some names of some kids you know, who are going to definitely make me look great mm-hmm. just goes to show you perhaps how disconnected yeah. Johnson was yeah. from reality. It also explains that scene near the end of the documentary when the kids are looking into the camera and giving the yeah. impact that mm-hmm. this experience had on them. A lot of these kids, you know, just to give you a little bit of background on the kids, the kids are most of them over the age of 18, some yeah. as old as 21 and 22. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are kids that are on their last chance. They're trying. They don't have. They either didn't have the grades to get into school, um, didn't have enough tape, uh, high school tape right. to get into school. Just didn't have the attention that they needed. And so Roy presented this opportunity as, "Hey, I can get you there. Mm. We'll get you more tape. We'll get your grades up. Uh, for some of you, we'll help you finish graduating so that you can get to the next level." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's this moment at the end where the kids kind of just tell how this experience affected them some of them have injuries and um have long-term injuries from that some of them um just have a general mistrust of of people and men in general Mm -hmm. and some of them are just emotionally scarred from the experience and they kind of they gave roy the tablet and his uh one of his Mm -hmm. assistant coaches and they just watched these kids say this and his reaction is he just gets so angry yeah yeah and goes out into the hall, goes outside, and then I love when documentaries leave the mic on, when people forget they're mic'd oh, they up. Always forget when the mic. Is um, on. And he's like, I can't believe so and so did this to me. I'm still trying to get this dude. He's lying. He's like, still trying to get this dude to Oklahoma. Oklahoma called me about him just the other day. Mm. Um, <laughs> he said, I can't believe this. He said, and he got scored on in the IMG game. It's like, oh, why was that necessary? That wasn't. I don't think that was a Christmas present. So I think that explains that scene a whole bunch because yeah. he definitely feels betrayed because he feels like these are the, the kids he quote unquote did the most for. Yeah. It was almost as if he was hearing it for the first time. Yeah. Which he probably was um, directly from mm-hmm. these kids' mouths. Yeah. But one thing that I really appreciated was, um, what's his name? Bomani. Bomani Jones. Bomani Jones. One of my favorite personalities. Yes. Yeah. And I like I've appreciated getting to know him through your eyes over the last couple of years mm-hmm. because his commentary on the power differential between mm-hmm. Johnson and the players, I think I think was really helpful because going back in time to shortly after the game. When I I kept hearing people say like there's there's this team of like grown men getting you know murked by these <laughs> high school kids and I'm like what what do you mean like mm-hmm. and so in my brain my assumption was oh there's this I don't know like uh, conspiracy that these adults agreed upon mm-hmm. to play a high school game like I didn't know all the details but when Bomani breaks it down he talks about how even though these were 20 19 year olds 
technically they're adults, yeah. Mm-hmm. But the power differential between them and the coach and, and the authority that the title coach assumes for people, yeah. that was what made the betrayal and the power that he had over these players so tragic to see him exploit. Yeah. And I think that's really helpful because I, I wonder if when people saw this whole thing happen, they made maybe the, the same assumption that I did and they didn't take into account that when you, when you have that kind of um, air of authority over people, yeah, you can be an adult alongside of them technically, mm-hmm. but if you revere them, if you trust them, then they can really exploit your trust. Yeah. And that's exactly what Roy Johnson did. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, he, that's something he just didn't understand that he didn't deliver on the promises that he gave to these kids. Right. And I think something that Bomani said is that there are certain, there are certain professions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what he said is doctors yep. are, are doctor. You're no longer Mr. Or you're no longer exactly. this. You're a doctor forever. And I he's thought like that this, was well said. The same thing with a coach. When you're a coach, you're a coach forever. Even, I mean, um, football players, you'll see it. They'll be, 40, 50 years down the road and they see their coach, that coach is still coach yep. to that coach. So and so to that person. Um, and so that's, I think that's that, that trust that you have to have in a person when they're your coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, even in a normal circumstance, in a normal high school where you live in the city, you have to parents and the kids are trusting that, that person, that person. But in this case, Roy was offering, Hey, I'm bringing your kid to Ohio to be a part of this program. Mm. He's and he would show them, gonna be living here we're gonna be going to school here this is the food they're gonna have all of these things and none of that was delivered on for these kids it was true and so could you imagine being 18 19 20 years old your whole life ahead of you and you see this dream that is being slowly taken away from you and somebody gives you an opportunity that says i can get you to where you want to be come here and trust me oh my gosh and then to have that abused Mm mm-hmm And then have to live in the aftermath of that. I could not imagine that. No, no, not at all. And I, I, you know, I I would even extend it. I agree 1000% with with what you said, that there was a trust that he would follow up on his promises. But there was also a trust that he would protect their bodies. Yeah. Like that he would actually care about and make decisions that would promote their well-being and you could see in the documentary where he wasn't feeding these kids. Mm-hmm. He wasn't making sure that they had the right equipment to safely play the game. Like that was one of the most jarring things about the game with uh, IGM, right? IMG. IMG. Mm-hmm. I always get it mixed up. Mm-hmm. Um, with IMG was that they were having, they were playing with uncertified helmets. Helmets mm-hmm. were flying off. There was one really significant injury. I don't know if it was a torn ACL. ACL, Mm -hmm. And he was just flippant about it. Like, oh, you'll be all right. There were no, there's no medical staff that he even paid to pretend like they were caring for the kids. So it's just gesture after gesture Mm -hmm. where he was showing, I don't value your son's lives. And on top of not delivering on his promises, he also was doing that. Yeah. And now some, like you said, the players have long-term injuries. Some of them couldn't even really go back to the game Mm -hmm. because you didn't protect them. Yeah. That's, man, that's wild. Yeah. And so we learn a lot about Roy Johnson in the documentary. Um, You know, the the people that did the, the, did the documentary said they found about 30 different lawsuits of him not paying 
insert bill here. Um, a lot of them for hotels, um, you know, and, the, and even the kids talk about how when they're down there, he's a, he's asking us to do things that we were trying to leave when we were at home, asking us to steal and mm. and do this and do that just to get money or to get what we need to to just survive. Um, and so you kind of see throughout the whole documentary, he's creating himself kind of to be this like hustler that will do anything mm-hmm. it takes to to quote unquote make it um there's no level that he won't go down to there's no rule he won't bend and break he he tries to fancy himself as this genius who knows how to bend the rules oh, but it's like no my man you're you're just committing fraud yeah. and misleading people you're mm-hmm. not a genius yeah um and then it was funny they asked him like so why didn't you pay he's like i just didn't care to I got too much other real world stuff going on to go and worry about paying these hotels. I I don't think I've ever blinked <laughs> as much as I did in that moment. Like you did like those words just came out of your mouth. Out of your mouth. And there wasn't like he would I didn't even see him flinch. Like it was just that was his truth. Mm-hmm. Um another way to describe this is through the lens of one of the players you know he he was saying how could I have told my mom yeah that you know this coach was essentially telling me to do the same stuff yeah you know referring to stealing from Walmart and all that other stuff that my mom has been trying to get me to stop doing on the streets yeah and it's like it's wild for someone to say that about a coach Mm -hmm. and just going back to Bomani's statement like when you have a title like that it's it evokes images of and assumptions of integrity that you have some kind of moral compass in spite of when your back is against the wall that you will stick to what's right. And he was doing everything but that. Everything but that. Everything but that. Um, Where to go next? (laughs) Um, No one graduated from this quote unquote school. No, not one Um, graduate. In the three years and different iterations of the school. No one graduated. There were kids that came there too, specifically to get their grades up so that they could go to school. Yeah, and poor Trillian. Um, they had no real class structure, no place to actually take classes. That you know, I think they said there was a a short, maybe month or two period where they were taking some online classes. But mm-hmm. once again, Roy didn't pay the supplier of these classes, so they cut off their access, and Roy couldn't be bothered to pay the bill. So why? Mercy. Who needs education? Um, but this documentary really spends a lot, spends some time talking about the money that's in youth sports um, and how Roy Johnson is a symptom of a larger structural problem with mm-hmm. youth sports in general. Whether you're talking about um, high school or, or college, amateurism in sports just creates some really difficult power dynamics to navigate. Mm-hmm. Because these schools, these institutions are making huge amounts of money and the, yeah. and the kids really don't have any access to it or any agency to, to get into that system. Mm-hmm. They are pumped into this pipeline. Um, you know, on the football side, it's high school to college to the pros. And in um, and basketball, it's, a, it's high school AAU, which is a big influence on all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily now, amateur athletes have the name, image, and likeness rules, but that is money coming from other entities and other people where the institutions do not have to share any of their revenues with the student. What? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know that part. 
Yeah. Oh, gosh. And it, it creates not only the the power differential, but then it creates this desperation mm-hmm. because, and this was another point that Bomani made, a lot for a lot of these kids, like sports is going to be their access to yeah. education. Yeah. And so if you dangle in front of them a fake school <laughs> and that's their only perhaps roadway to higher education, to being able to play a sport that they love, mm-hmm. then they're, then yeah, they're going to compromise their kind of gut reaction to some really questionable stuff that they're, that you, that they see you doing, right? Because they're desperate. They want to be proximate to and swept up in this pipeline because of what opportunities it affords them. Mm -hmm. And so it's just all around. Like, I mean, you know, I'm speaking as someone who's not super well-versed in sports, you know, as much as you are Malcolm, but seeing it from the outside looking in, it's like, Oh my goodness, the system really needs to be revamped. Yeah. Um, and so they talked about you know IMG that the team that they played in their game mm. is a it's a school but it's really a school geared towards sports and not mm-hmm. necessarily geared toward athletic or um, academics. Um, and Roy used them kind of cited them as the example of this is mm. what we want to be here in Ohio. We want to create this here in Ohio. Um, and I think that in and of itself is it the the IMGs of the world. There's other academies like that all over the country. Not in and of itself bad, but it creates this model where the the kid is the product, mm-hmm. and they become commodified. Not not just at the pro level, but at the amateur level as well. But, oh yeah. But once again, we're locking them out of that access to the to the actual resource. And I would even say, like, not just the product, but also the currency. Yeah. Like, you are literally exchanging these kids either between programs or, you know, between schools trying to get your reputation mm-hmm. as an institution buffed yeah. up, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, it's so complicated because there is a genuine love that these boys had mm-hmm. for the game too. Yeah. And that like, for me, that is what I think the the documentary did a good job of highlighting as well is that they really liked the game. Mm-hmm. They just, they trusted this man to teach them how to do the game well and how to cultivate that love mm-hmm. into some professionalism. Yeah. He just outright didn't do it. Yeah. Um, there was a point where one of the players was like, um, you know, of course we didn't run. Like if, if the coach didn't tell us to run and we're not going to run. Yeah. Right. And that, of course you have older teens mm-hmm. whose brains have not developed fully to the point of like being able to deal with impulse control, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, of course, if you don't have a coach telling them to actually run plays and develop discipline, they're not going to do it. And so it's just over and over example after example of the way that Johnson exploited the trust mm-hmm. that these players put in him. Yeah. Um, talking a little bit more about the system we find out that the state of Ohio really couldn't do anything to stop this from happening. They, you know, I think a person in the documentary said no one thought to put a rule on the books that you can't just start a fake school because no one thought that anyone Anyone would ever do do this. (laughs) Like, Oh gosh. Um, So the, the state of Ohio did investigate, did a report, but Bishop Sycamore uh, was, Registered as in a religious, religious school, religious school, which meant that they had no jurisdiction in handing out punishments or doing anything to regulate the school. Um, mm. 
And throughout all of this, throughout all the investigations, throughout all the conversations, Roy just continued to maintain that he was helping these kids and had their best interest at heart. Um, he, from the beginning of the documentary, he talked about, this is why I got into this. He talked about his brother was a football player and he said he was trying to do everything he could to get him to play at the college level. And that is kind of what spurred him in this direction, uh, to want to mentor young men and help them achieve their dreams. Um, but he did not. And I'm also skeptical about how true that was. About his brother? We, we'll never know. Well, about his motive, right? Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I, I'm willing to believe that he did all of that stuff for his brother. But mm-hmm. after watching this documentary, I'm very skeptical about why. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't watched BS High. It's. Go watch it. Put on your <laughs> put on your strap up because it's a it's quite a ride, and you get a real it's a really great look into Roy Johnson and this program and everything that happened. At the end of the documentary, you can't help but feel for the kids, mm-hmm. feel for their families. Um, there's really there's no there's it's not a documentary with a happy ending. Yeah, there's we, no redemption line. We, there's no we, we we seem like we're gonna get maybe we thought that we were gonna get one redemption story. Oh. And in fact, we'll tell the stories. The quarterback of the team was Trillian Harris. Harris, I believe he's from Texas. I can't remember. He's from a different state and got recruited to come to Bishop Sycamore and was two credits away from graduating. And mm. he says that Roy promised him that they were going to help him get those credits and get his SAT scores up so that he can go to college. And so he went there to play IMG, to play these big programs, to get on the big stage and get the attention. And um, after the Bishop Sycamore thing fell apart, he went back home and started training. And he was able to get, um, through his trainer, get in contact with Grambling State University mm. and their their coach, uh, Hugh Jackson, who also has been a coach in the NFL, head coach and offensive coordinator. And they really liked him. They wanted him to come. They uh, extended an offer to him, which he committed he was excited about going to grambling but as soon as they saw that he was a part of bishop sycamore they pulled the offer yeah and pulled away their interest um and so it's just a very tangible example of Mm -hmm. of roy johnson's effect on these kids long-term yeah goals and long-term life yep and Um, as of the taping of the documentary i don't think he still had been picked up by a team no he was playing junior college football okay um at um i believe east los angeles community college which is actually the subject of the um last chance you basketball their basketball team is part of the last chance you basketball documentary on netflix oh okay um but yeah it's that that bishop sycamore has a stain that's gonna remain with these kids physically emotionally mentally and, and literally people are going to see that and yeah and it's going to affect their prospects down the road mm. yeah the tragedy is very layered yeah um i think though one of the things that just stood out to me about the ending was just how much roy latched on to this betrayal that people weren't acknowledging how helpful he was mm-hmm. and how much he had done for the kids and um you know they're, they're even seeing how offended that he got when he held the tablet and watched the footage of you know mm-hmm. the, the players telling him what kind of negative impact that he had on them 
And it got me wondering about just times when people in relationships in general are claiming and saying that they're trying to be helpful, you know, in their own way, but they, they're really causing harm. They're not yeah. actually being helpful. Um, and so it got me wondering, like, if this was a situation where somewhere down the line, you know, outside of the footage, someone did come to Roy and be like, hey, bruh, like, you know what you're doing ain't right. Like, come on, this isn't helpful. Like, what do you think would have happened? Given what we know about Roy now. I think he would have just tried to find another way. Like, I. Mm. You don't think I mean, it would have deterred him at all? I don't. I don't think so. Just mm-hmm. just looking at everything, if you look at the whole scope of things, he was working at one point with the AME Church to start a school that was going to have this football program attached. Mm-hmm. The AME Church either pulled away or wasn't a part of it anymore, and that didn't stop him. Oh, um, that's right. He had a bunch of assistant coaches that came to help him, and they left him, and it didn't stop him. His athletic trainers left, didn't stop him. Um, you know. Yeah. Um at every step, there was different things that happened that probably would stop a normal person. Not mm. having a school affiliated or educational component with your school, with your quote unquote school, right. would stop probably most people from doing what they're doing. Mm. Um, having no money would stop ninety percent, ninety nine percent of people. <laughs> um, getting kicked out of one hotel. For not paying. Oh, that's right. Would probably stop most people. Or being banned from Walmart. Being banned from Walmart. (laughs) That was also a part of the documentary. Um, All of these things would stop normal people. And he he saw every one of those things as a challenge to overcome. (laughs) Right? And I think that was the thing. Like, I I often do hear and see that rhetoric, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if, like if, if you... If you keep running up against the wall, like that just means that you have to try like even harder. And it's like, no, like some of those walls are boundaries that maybe you shouldn't be crossing. Like, so, yeah. I I mean, I think you you look at whether it's really good athletes, really good entertainers, people that are been successful in business. They Mm -hmm. always have usually have a story of overcoming obstacles um, and defying people that told them they couldn't do it. Mm. And particularly Mm -hmm. with athletes. What you'll see is as they get older, maybe their skills diminish. They think they still can prove people wrong even as their skills diminish. Oh, I could still do this even though I can't really jump as fast or jump as high or run as fast as I used Mm. to. But I can overcome this because I have this track record of doing it in the past. And that can either propel you to greatness, which is how they got there. And then it can kind of start to have you separating from reality because you're not the person Mm. you were when you did it the first time and now you're a diminished version of yourself. Roy Johnson had no history of anything working, (laughs) but still he kept thinking, I'm going to overcome. This is going to be the one I overcome. I didn't overcome the last thing, but this one, yeah, I'm going to get this one. And it just kept snowballing and it didn't deter him. It didn't make him change his mind, make him change his approach, didn't make him reevaluate. It was just like, I'm going to overcome this. And, And then if not this, the next thing. Yeah. Huh. Now now my mind is spinning about like how how do we how do we acculturate mm. people involved in athletics or, or you know adjacent to athletics right coaches. Mm-hmm. Um 
because there there's an element of that that you need, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, if as a part of a psyche that can do sports well, you need a little bit of that, like just a little hint of delusion that, yeah. like, if there's a barrier in front of me, I'm going to do whatever I need to do to get over it. Mm-hmm. But the barriers that Roy kept plowing through were ethical barriers mm-hmm. and just like opportunities for compassion that he just completely overlooked yeah. just outright doing harm yeah. to people like they weren't challenges they were like actual boundaries barrier they're like, barriers yeah that are there <laughs> for a reason and so like i'm sitting here thinking about like wow like how do how does one navigate that line between this is the psyche. This is the mentality that I need to be an athlete, a competitor. And this is the mentality of a person who perhaps should not be given like a whole bunch of power and access mm-hmm. to like being able to make choices that affect people's lives. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's just, it's that line is interesting. So I appreciate you giving that like angle. Yeah. There has to be self-realization. Like, to be honest about who you are, where you are, and what your abilities are. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think back to um, Deion Sanders was the head coach at Jackson State, HBCU, and then mm-hmm. he left to be the coach at Colorado. Um, and he brought a lot of notoriety and attention and increased the talent level at Jackson State. And so somebody asked him, like, so what do you think others who want to come and be, uh, you know, especially other athletes or high profile people that want to coach at HBCUs, what do you think they could learn from your example? And what I appreciate, appreciate about him and what he said was, he said, first of all, I'm one of one. There's not another Mm -hmm. person like me. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't want them to try to do what I did. Mm. He said, I could do what I did because I was, you know, I played the game at the highest level. I, I'm a Hall of Famer. I have. I can do. I can do it the way I did it because of who I was. He mm. said, "Not everybody can come in and do that." Yeah. And you know, some people may look at that and be like, "Oh, well, that's kind of arrogant." But at the same time, it's it's true. It's true. You have to yeah have do that self evaluation. I would love to play basketball like LeBron James, but <laughs> LeBron James is six eight. I'm five six. But you're a great five six. Though. I'm a great five six. <laughs> Not a great five six in the basketball court. <laughs> yeah, no, so I can real. sit there and try to th- believe my way <laughs> all I want. <laughs> believe through all these barriers, but when but I jump, not gonna the, grow twelve inches. When I jump in the air, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Acknowledging what your own limitations are, who you are, yeah, and just, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to get on too long of yeah. a soapbox, yeah. but. You know, it it would have been interesting if we could have, because I know I know the document docu, documentarians. I don't know what you call mm-hmm. them. Um, <laughs> they didn't, you know, do the work of of humanizing him explicitly. Mm-hmm. But I do find myself wondering, like, did anyone like really sit him down and be like, "Hey, you're not helping." Probably not. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm also thinking about just the the demeanor that he had. Well, also, if they did, he wouldn't say it. it true. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He wouldn't look at the camera and be like, oh, by the way, there was this person right. that tried to talk me out of this. Mm-hmm. Right. Totally agree. But just like wondering if we could peel back the fourth wall mm-hmm. and see his whole life yeah. <laughs> leading up to this. Um, and I, I think a lot of that is because 
there is, and I want to say this gently because I know someone can get to this point for a lot of reasons, but there is kind of a, um, an air that people can put on where you just kind of send the message to the people around you that you're not open to feedback. Yeah. Like yeah. you could tell me till you're blue in the face that I'm making this negative impact on the world, but I'm not going to listen. And so part of me wonders if that was like his situation that people just saw the way he walked through the world and just knew that like, look, I can't, there's nothing I can do. Yeah. There's nothing I can say. Um, and so, like, I, I'm wondering when you when you think about, like, what gets someone to that point where um, people just aren't having direct, honest conversations with them mm. about the impact they're having or how helpful they're being, even though they keep saying, like, I'm just trying to help. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think gets someone to that point? Why do you think that happens? So what gets them to the point where they're not listening to outside? Yeah, like, or to the point where people don't even, even try mm. to, mm-hmm. like, tell them. Mm. Um, I think I, I just thinking through people in my life that have been examples of this. I think those people will really silo themselves when it comes mm. to thinking of ideas or thinking of plans or things like that. You, you'll just see them pop up with an idea and it's not like asking you for advice, but it's, oh. we're, this is what we're doing. Not collaborators. Yes. They're not yeah. collaborators. Um, That's a good one. people that are very rigid in their way of executing things Mm -hmm. um if you if you try to give them even the slightest tweak or little change to what they're doing they Mm -hmm. really bristle at that yeah and and don't really accept any kind of feedback or help um they want the process and the results to be on them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and not they don't really want to share any of the any of the credit Mm -hmm. for where they're going Yeah, I legit didn't think about that in this context that like if you see a person and like time and time again, you see them like skirting over or Mm -hmm. skipping over opportunities to just check in with people and be like, hey, what do you think about this? If you see that over and over again, yeah, I think that would lead to you being like, no, I don't think my feedback would help here. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, I think a part of this, too, that people end up, you know, kind of being this way is we're not super direct as a culture either. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) So um, there might have been there might have been some situations where people were trying to tell him, but they were saying things like, are you sure that you want to when it should have been like, hey, man, like. If you do this, I'm concerned that X will happen. Yeah. I think you should not do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think as a culture we really talk that way. Um, now, I'm speaking as someone who grew up in the heartbeat of the Midwest. Mm-hmm. We're just a passive aggressive <laughs> space <laughs> in general. Maybe in New York, somebody might have told us. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, yeah, uh, us and Roy Johnson, we were here in the Midwest where folks kind of talk around things and this makes you like wonder so much more about his background like what is his relationship to like the rest of his family for example oh man because family members will a lot of times be the ones to be like hey i know you and i've known you for a long time you're going in a direction that's not okay yeah um but you have to have people in your life that you trust Mm. um and if you have a general mistrust of people um it, it makes it a lot harder to listen to seek and accept any type of feedback mm. or or redirection or i totally agree with with that right like if you've grown up in a context where 
uh, or if you are disconnected from mm-hmm. people who know you intimately enough to like approach you that way, yeah. this can happen. And also, if you grew up with like a caregiver who just never gave you critical feedback, yeah. like if they were a care- caregiver that for, for whatever reason, mm-hmm. um, maybe they really did think you were the greatest thing ever and they just didn't have anything constructive to say to you your whole life. But mm-hmm. still, like if you've never heard that from a caregiver in your life, yeah, then you kind of don't develop the muscle of what it feels like to like hear constructive feedback and like process it without crumbling. Yeah. And so there's a part of me that's wondering like what, like on what side of the spectrum is he, Mm. is it that he perhaps doesn't have any relationships in his life right now that are intimate enough for people to kind of penetrate his like worldview Mm -hmm. with the truth? Or did he have a caregiver or a family of origin that was just kind of gassing him up yeah. like his whole life and has never told him a critical thing. Yeah. I think it's, it's the latter. Cause I remember there's he, at the end of the documentary, it's the one moment where he gets like, where you kind of see oh. a little bit of the sadness and the things that are behind a lot of things that are happening. He talks about how his mother told him that you're going to do great things. Oh, and, right. and he said, if you hear that all the time and that, you know, that like kind of sets you up for what you're going to do in life or something, you know, something like that. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Wow. And I'm I'm trying to sit here and be like, is it appropriate for me to mention what other <laughs> famous person that reminds me of? But nope. Um, yeah, there it is. Mm-hmm. And you know, I for me, I you know, I I'm a, I am a clinician, I'm a therapist, and so I I am sensitive to how a caregiver gets to that point as well, right? Yeah. So this isn't me saying like, oh, his mom was terrible. Yeah. And no. And oh, I just I I just realized what you were putting down earlier, but other, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, that isn't what I'm saying, right? Yeah. That like his mom is the villain and she's the problem, but I am curious about like when someone turns out this way it's helpful to just be curious about like what was the shape of their world when they were younger because you you can see how that can have a real impact on how people believe the world works Mm -hmm. yeah (sighs) so i guess to end with just kind of imagining a world where we would tell a person Mm -hmm. (laughs) um you know hey I can tell that you're trying to be helpful, but you're not like what would be some ways that we might do that? Be honest. Yeah. Just be honest. As hard as it is. Yes. It, 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 I think as a, by and large as a culture, we are, um, we are, shoot, um, words escaping me right now, Mm. but we are averse to conflict. We are conflict averse. Uh, Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We are conflict diverse. We do not want to have those tough conversations. We don't want to make somebody feel bad. We don't want to crush somebody's dreams. Mm. But sometimes our dreams just need to be crushed. (laughs) You know, I remember hearing a radio personality say, hey, uh, you know, everybody should pursue their dreams. But if you're 45 and you're trying to start a rap career, it's time to (laughs) reevaluate. Okay, well, that dream might need to be crushed. Or or could it be just altered a little bit? <laughs> or altered most of it. Most of it. Yeah, I hear but yeah, the honesty I think is important because yeah. 
if we are not able to have the honest conversations and help redirect people, um, you end it, up with Bishop Sycamore. You end up with Bishop Sycamore. <laughs> not always, but you it was some some version of Bishop yeah, Sycamore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I mean, I agree. Like the commitment to honesty is important, and I think the method of honesty is figuring out for yourself, like what is the actual damage that I think this person is actually yeah. making? Because mm-hmm. sometimes it's just a preference issue. Like you're looking at someone move through the world and do the helpful thing that they're, that they think they're doing and mm-hmm. you just don't like the way that they're doing it or yeah. you wouldn't do it that way. But if there's real harm being done, that's a whole different situation. And I think that would be the criteria or the checklist that you would look for to be like, okay, I think I might need to let this person know. Um, that they're not being as helpful as they think they are. I think that's one of the things that's most sad about and sad and alarming about this this documentary is I, I was thinking back to the fire festival mm. and they're getting ready to do the fire festival and people were like getting nervous as we got closer to the when the event's supposed to happen because nothing is in place. Mm-hmm. But so many people would just be like, Well, but Billy has done this so many times. He finds money, he finds a way to get it done, and I just thought it would come together. And then I look at this situation, and it has lit- literally never come together. No, there's no history, like you said. Like, Roy Johnson, like, fashions himself after after Hannibal from the A-Team. I love it when a plan comes together. Literally none of your plans have worked. No plans. But you just, and then the people around you aren't like, hey, man, maybe we should stop doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah, yeah. It's It's maddening. Yeah. So I think if we are imagining a situation, like I'm even thinking of situations where I would have, like, in hindsight, wanted someone to tell me, like, "Eh, Mm -hmm. you're not being as helpful as you think you are, Micah. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a way that I would appreciate them saying it would be, like, starting off with acknowledging that Mm -hmm. they can see that I'm trying. Like, I think a person is disarmed and more open to feedback if you if you, they feel seen first. So, like, starting off by saying, like, hey, look, I see the ways that you're trying to help and actually list some of those off, right? Mm-hmm. But then also, like, continuing by saying, you know, however, I'm worried mm-hmm. that what you're doing could lead to X, Y, Z. And, like, actually letting a person know that I'm kind of looking ahead and if you keep doing the things that you're doing, this is what I think would happen. Yeah. Um, but then like maybe inviting them into a conversation about what to do next. Right. So not just criticizing them and being like, I'm worried that you're going to like cause a train wreck, (laughs) but like ending with like, Hey, can we maybe talk about like how to do this differently? Like I'm thinking about times in my life where if I had heard it that way, Mm -hmm. like when I was younger, I might've been like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Let's talk about it then. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's kind of like a makeshift version of the sandwich method yeah. <laughs> for communication. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really don't know. If someone approached Roy that way, maybe. Maybe it would have worked. Uh, I hope I would have hoped someone would have tried. Yeah. <laughs> this is a rough one. Yeah. There's no happy ending in this. Yeah. There's no happy ending in this. But what did we learn? there's no happy endings but what are our lessons (laughs) (laughs) or am i saying what we learned yeah okay what did we learn today good god um 
Don't be Roy Johnson. Don't be Roy Johnson. Uh, Care about the people around you. Listen to feedback. All good. Be accepting of uh, the people who care about you and who can see what you cannot see. And not all obstacles are things to be overcome. Sometimes there are barriers to redirect you in a different direction. That that part, yeah. All right. <laughs> I know we're not the only ones that watch this documentary. So if you have watched it, if you have some feedback, some other things that you saw, maybe you know a little bit more about the story than what we watched in the documentary. We'd love to hear from you. Use the hashtag talk about it POD. Um and Michael, where could they find you? On the social media. You can find me on Instagram at j.marie.morgan. And you can find me on Instagram and threads. And I lurk sometimes on Twitter, but not really. At Malcolm D.O.T. Media. That's Malcolm D.O.T. Media. We love to hear how you guys are enjoying the show. Um, And as you're listening to these episodes, episodes, share, share a clip. Share a thought. We love to see people interacting with the content um, and continuing the conversations that we're having in other spaces. I think we did it. Did we do it? Yeah. We did a thing? Did it again. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Let's Talk About It. I'm Malcolm Morgan. And I'm Micah Morgan. And we'll see you all next time.